You're here with a mission, sir? I am. You're trying to get me back in the world? I'm trying to save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. This is now playing's Avengers Retrospective Series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel comic movie series. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Hosted by Arnie. You think you can't handle me on your own? Jacob. You're just a human. And Stuart. You should have known this day was coming. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes Iron Man. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak accident. The goal is to do it better. Thor. You're big. Fought bigger. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? Ant-Man. The ultimate secret weapon. Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. Doctor Strange. Heroes like the Avengers protect the world from physical dangers. We sorcerers safeguard it against more mystical threats. Spider-Man. Are you an Avenger? Yeah, basically. Inhumans. What are we? What if I told you there's a place where people have powers like us? The city of Adelaide. And the Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the Army. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Listener discretion is advised. Gentlemen, you're up. Showtime, a-holes! Today, we're discussing... Inhumans, starring Anson Mount, Sarinda Swan, Ken Leung, directed by Rule Renee. This is Arnie, your inhumanly happy co-host of Now Playing. Why? It's Stuart. This is your queen of Now Playing, introducing your king, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's not going to speak. He says he's very displeased to be here. <laughs> Talk to the hair. Oh, there's going to be a lot of destruction if you're going to make me talk during this podcast. <laughs> so welcome to our 17th Marvel movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, you know, I've been reading all week how this is a record low summer and that it's not making the box office that they thought. Don't they know there's a new Marvel movie coming out? That's a guaranteed $300 million, right? <laughs> I saw two trailers for real Marvel movies during this one, Thor and Black Panther. This is not a real Marvel movie. <laughs> no, we are back in an area that I thought I had left behind. Like, yeah, we did the little Linda Carter this summer. But for the most part, superhero TV was something from my distant past. Linda Carter, more of a movie than this. That has resolution <laughs> to its climax. Guys. How quickly you forget. Do you not remember when Age of Ultron came out and Kevin Feige went out on stage and he listed the plans for 
Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3 and talked about how there was going to be an Ant-Man and there was going to be a Captain Marvel and there was going to be a Black Panther and there was going to be an Inhumans. Oh, you're right. This was going to be a real movie. I remember that. I remember seeing that graphic pop up. It was coming out in 2018. We actually got it earlier than promised. No, they should have (laughs) waited. It did get pushed till 2019, and this was the one that everybody looked at a little bit on that graphic, like, really? I mean, they proved themselves with Guardians of the Galaxy, so you think they can get away with anything, but Inhumans did seem a little bit suspect. And then later, they revised the graphic again after their deal with Sony, they moved stuff around, they added some Spider-Man pictures... Inhumans was notably absent from that new graphic, and when asked, Kevin Feige's like, oh, we're still kind of working on it. Yeah, I don't know this property. I can honestly say, for the longest time, I thought it was that 80s toy line about rock monsters and humanoids. (laughs) Oh, I remember those, but Inhumans, this baffles me that they're even trying to do a TV show. These are characters that were introduced in the Fantastic Four back in the 60s. And I looked it up because I'm like, have they ever had their own comic? Yes, they've done some runs. The longest run ever was 20 issues, but they never seem like the most popular characters. And look, I hate to say this because they are Jack Kirby creations. We're celebrating his 100th birthday this past week, but not my favorite. They've shown up in some comics that I like, but it's never a group of people that I wanted to read about. It's basically Moon X-Men. They are cave people that were experimented on by aliens and formed their own society. Like, they were once on Earth. It kind of plays on that whole Atlantis mythology, but then they go to the moon and they interact with humans every now and again. This the X-Men feels like Wendy and Marvin to Zan and Jaina, <laughs> by comparative. <laughs> Okay, well, you guys have kind of put some blame on me, thinking I'm making us review Inhumans. You did. If it's up to me and Stuart, this would not be done. Yeah, and boy, do I feel vindicated. Well, it's not like this was a one-night fathom event. This is a two-week theatrical IMAX engagement. (laughs) Uh, Not a whole lot of people being engaged based on my theater. (laughs) No! Is that from the press release? A theatrical engagement is what it is. Indeed, $15 to see a 77-minute TV episode that's going to air for free in four weeks. Two episodes. <laughs> and what's going to air on TV is actually an extended cut from what we saw. <laughs> yeah, we don't even get the full episode. We don't deserve that. I was promised a VIP present, and then when I got there, they were like, huh? Yeah, there's supposed to be a lockjaw poster. I can't even find them on eBay. I think they ended up pulling the plug on that. <laughs> if you want to pay six bucks and you bought your ticket on Fandango, you could get a poster. The six dollars for shipping. It's a free poster. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a VIP, let me tell you. But I don't think there's any way we can say this isn't a movie. This is definitely in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you guys want to point some blame, don't point blame at me. Mm-hmm. Point blame at... Major Trump donor, Ike Perlmutter. Okay. He's a 74-year-old recluse. Have you guys ever heard of Ike? No. Okay, let me give you a little bit of history and let our listeners... We're going to have to talk some inside business baseball to discuss why we're even talking about Inhumans. But if you like Marvel at all, if you like or dislike Trump at all, if you have any opinion on Trump, Ike is somebody you should know about. He's a businessman who he came up 
basically by being a corporate raider. The first time he really became of note is he took control of Coleco after they went bankrupt and found a way to profit from selling off all of their parts. In the 90s, he took control of Remington, the razor company, so it's not like he's just into games and comics and things. He'll do whatever for a buck. And in the 90s, he was also co-owner of a toy company called Toy Biz, along with a name you definitely know, Avia Rod. Okay. Is this guy behind Secret Wars so they could sell a bunch of toys? That was Mattel, actually. Oh, okay. Mattel had the property then. Okay. Toy Biz started making Marvel toys in 1990, and they had a really successful line with Marvel Legends back then, and a bunch of Marvel toys. I have hundreds of Toy Biz figures. And as it so happened, this was when the comic industry went bust, and it turned out that the Marvel action figures made more money than the Marvel comics. So... Ike became chairman of the board of Marvel. Marvel declared bankruptcy in late 1996. Toy Biz merged with Marvel in 1997. And so then Avia Rod and Ike Perlmutter owned Marvel. In 2001, Perlmutter became vice chairman of Marvel and became the CEO in 2005, making $1.3 billion when Marvel was sold to Disney. Mm. Yeah, a good trade-up. Maybe his most successful house flip. (laughs) (laughs) He was offered a position on the Disney board as part of the acquisition. He decided to stay with Marvel. And it's at this point, Avia Rod left Marvel. He probably also got like a billion dollars and is like, I don't need this anymore. You know, I've made X-Men movies, Avia Rod. He made so many of those non-Marvel cinematic universe films that we discussed and liked. You know, he was involved in... Everything from Blade to Spider-Man. But Ike, he stayed with Marvel, and he was over everything Marvel. So you think about it. Marvel Comics? Answer to Ike. Kevin Feige, who ran the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Answer to Ike. Jeff Loeb, who headed Marvel Television? Answer to Ike. Ike answered only to Bob Iger. Now, it's of note, Kevin Feige, he's made all those movies that I've never not recommended one of. I mean, (laughs) everything from the first Iron Man till the upcoming Thor. Today? This is Jeff Loeb, (laughs) the TV guy. And the reason I'm pointing this out, Jeff Loeb, he doesn't just do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, Punisher, Defender stuff. He's doing all their animation stuff. So the cartoons, the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff over on Disney. And this is Jeff Loeb, writer of Commando, the Arnold movie i mean yeah this guy's been around a while he's done comic books too Mm -hmm. yeah he's a writer he's done quite a bit in the industry and yes he did write some comics dc and marvel so is ike just upset that he doesn't get to do x-men well i'm getting there ike (laughs) is notoriously stingy and understand he's in charge of all marketing and comics i mean we talked about corman and he'd be like why do you have name brand soda on your set Ike makes Corman look generous. Ike has literally been known to say, why do you need a new pencil? There's two inches left on your current pencil. (laughs) Well, that's a film producer, a low-budget film producer, but Marvel movies aren't low-budget. At the Avengers media event, they ran out of food for the press, and all the press went over and saw the five-year engagement premiere instead because they still had food. (laughs) And... Ike, there's reasons not to like him, perhaps. I mean, again, if you're not a Trump fan, he was a heavy, heavy donor to the Trump campaign. And he's the reason why 
Terrence Howard was replaced in the series. This is allegedly, but highly quoted, he allegedly told someone in his production staff that Americans wouldn't notice Howard replaced with Don Cheadle because, quote, black people look the same, Mm. unquote. Okay. He was then sued by three African-American executives who quit and filed lawsuits against him. Good. (laughs) Yeah. He's behind Black Panther then. (laughs) Interesting. No. He's not. <laughs> oh, okay. The plot does get thicker. We don't even have to talk about this stupid-ass TV movie. I'm telling you, the story to get to the movie has a much better plot of deception <laughs> and betrayal than the movie itself. Okay. So he takes refusals personally, and he holds vendettas. And again, so cheap. He offered Mickey Rourke. He thought he was being generous. Here's $250,000 for Iron Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> the guy had just come off an Oscar nomination. Well, in 2011, Ike started a campaign to kill the comics they don't own. Now, they'd made some kind of deal with Fox and Spider-Man being the number one property in the world. They didn't go so hard at that. But X-Men and Fantastic Four, both notoriously owned by Fox, all of a sudden... And now, understand what I'm saying. There's a lot of hearsay here. There's some rumors here. There's also some stuff I've been told off the record, so I can't cite my source. But there's also a lot of articles. If you go to Bleeding Cool, if you go to comic sites and things. It's gossip, but we like it. It's pretty substantiated gossip. So... Ike personally said, we're done, we're out of the X-Men business, we're out of the Fantastic Four business. Fantastic Four was the first comic ever in the Marvel Universe. Had never not been published for an extended period of time. They stopped publishing those comics. They also stopped creating any good mutant characters, because any mutants that were created would be owned by Fox. So you get characters who are literally named Gold Balls, a fat guy who has the ability to throw gold balls out of his body. <laughs> That's not much different than how my wife reacted to this film. She's like, are they saying black balls? <laughs> but Ike said, make products and push the characters we fully own, like the Avengers. I know there was a rumor of a year or so ago about Marvel where they stopped calling mutants mutants. And supposedly that was a way to get around not having to let Fox use those characters. I don't know if that was true, but it falls in line with all this fighting over the rights of their characters. They did still have mutants, but they did something that greatly reduced the number of mutants on Earth. And then they literally had an event where a fictional thing called Terrigen Mist settled over the Earth, making it inhabitable for mutants. Mutants had to leave the planet No more mutants on the planet. And suddenly this Terrigen mist turned a lot of ordinary people into inhumans. Mm. Odd, though, because Deadpool's still way popular with the comics. They haven't got rid of that yet, even though Fox owns them. They push Deadpool quite a bit, strangely. I don't understand all of that. Sometimes money really does talk. You get rid of the Fantastic Four, no one bought those comics anyway. Mm, Or watched those movies. But... They kept publishing some X-Men comics, but they really scaled it back. And yes, as Jacob mentioned, Inhumans have been around since the 60s, but to me, it was just a group of moon people who I didn't like when they guessed it in other comics. This mute king who wore black spandex, this giant dog that was kind of cute, and a bunch of people, 
a hairy lady. You never read Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers? I never read Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers. I know. I, do they have words or is it just pictures? I don't know. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't either. Like, it's literally like Aunt May's dog with mm. Lockjaw. And, no, no, thank you. <laughs> but they were heavily pushing in the comics, and I don't know how successfully. Inhumans and all the new superheroes suddenly they're inhumans, so that way we own them. Because let's face it, if you go back to our X Men retrospective, they had mutants because they just got tired of origin stories. Radioactive spiders. Ra- I mean, what are you going to have? A radioactive eagle bite angel, and now he has wings. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to slam Jack Kirby, but this just feels like, uh, what if we did Moon Mutants? <laughs> Some of these powers are ridiculous. We're going to have to talk about them in this movie, but the concept just feels desperate to me. Like, oh, we got to come up with something new. I know you're not talking about medusa no medusa was in the 60s but they were really pushing these inhuman comics i tried reading a couple of them i didn't get into them so i stopped but now let's get back to ike (laughs) ike was pushing for the inhumans movie to compete with the x-men movies and feige he's like um i don't want to do this second humans movie sorry gorgon is no wolverine (laughs) and feige felt like he was being micromanaged and Despite Feige saying no, Ike in Humans movie was his pet project. There was a fight, though, after Avengers 2. If you remember, Joss Whedon came out and walked away. Yeah, he finished the film, but he said that he was clashing with Marvel executives and he didn't name any names, but he said that things, quote, got ugly during the production of Avengers 2, that he had, quote, a gun held to his head. If he wanted to keep in the Hawkeye on the farm scene, then the Thor taking a bath scene had to be in the movie. He never named names, and I always assumed Feige, because Feige is the face of Marvel Studios. But it could have been Ike. Ike is a micromanager. Ike was there saying, you can't spend the money. Ike didn't want to pay Downey what it took to bring Downey back. And so, Feige went to Bob Iger after Avengers 2 with an ultimatum. Ike's out or I am. And Feige has delivered billions of dollars to Disney. And so, as of August 2015, a scant few months after Avengers 2, all of a sudden, Feige and all of the Marvel Studios people now report to Disney president Alan Horn. But everything else stayed under Ike. So the comics, the TV, the merchandising, all Ike, but the movie cinematic universe finally was able to be treated like a movie division and give its reporters some food. I see. So this pet project moved from the big screen to the small screen, ironically still fighting with Fox because Fox has an X-Men show coming out this fall as well. Gifted. Yeah, they had Gifted and they also had Legion. But this is a network show. This is ABC Family Television. And boy, I could feel that. Yeah, I haven't watched network TV in a very long time. I'm a cord cutter, so it's either Hulu, you know, stuff that shows TV, or Netflix. Man, watching network TV after years and not seeing it, it's rough. And it's where Loeb got his start, though. He was a producer for Smallville and Lost before he took over Marvel TV. And yes, as Jacob mentioned, he wrote Commando and Teen Wolf. (laughs) The... Michael J. Fox movie, not the... Not the cool MTV show. 
that's nothing like the Michael J. Fox one. So, yes, I believe Ike, since Feige quietly removed Inhumans from the slate now that he no longer reported to Ike, here we are. And Marvel Television's a unique beast. I mean, we could be talking about Defenders right now. I think we'd all actually be happier to talk about a miniseries that would take us, if we watched all the previous episodes, 80 hours to watch instead of this Inhumans. Listen, I thought one of the saving graces of having to go to this was I thought Sigourney Weaver was in it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Where'd you hear that? No, because she's in Defenders and I couldn't tell the difference. Oh, okay. I saw very little ads for this. <laughs> I know. You you were wig free. You told me this was coming, Arnie, but I saw nothing up until two weeks ago when I was watching like a morning talk show and they had a quick ad of a man screaming at TV and a dog running out and they <laughs> said that this was superhero stuff. It was really not promoted for an IMAX event. I saw very few trailers. We went to see Spider-Man, and I'm like, well, now, Stuart, you'll get to see the Inhumans trailer. They didn't even put that before the IMAX showing of Spider-Man for us. If it wasn't for being in the comics sphere, I don't think anyone would know about this. No Comic-Con presence? It was there. I heard people laughed at the wig, and so they went back and digitally touched up the wig. Oh, things got bad. (laughs) There was a press event a couple weeks ago where Loeb got really defensive because the reporters were standing up and their questions after the screening was, this show doesn't look like it made good use of IMAX camera technology and the quality of the episode isn't suitable for IMAX screens. And Loeb was like, I think you're making an editorial statement. Is there a question? (laughs) I guess I'm going to be making some editorial statements then. Yeah, that should be underlined here. The reason why this is in theaters is because they took those very big, cumbersome IMAX cameras and shot these first two episodes in that way, but not the rest of the series. Correct. And sounds like this Perlmutter might have insisted you will put this on a big screen. I feel like this entire thing is Ike twisting arms because... Like I said, Defenders has done very well for Netflix. The Daredevil TV series is really loved. Jessica Jones mostly loved, a little bit more polarizing. Luke Cage, people seem to like it. Iron Fist, the less we talk about it, the better it looks for Netflix. And I see that the screenwriter for that series is the screenwriter for these episodes. (laughs) Well, again, all the same division. Here's the thing that I just get irked by, is every time somebody says... The Marvel Universe, it's all connected. What happens on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. matters to what happens on Daredevil, matters to what happens in Avengers Infinity War. No, it doesn't. It's trickle-down, okay? It goes from the movies to television because Kevin Feige doesn't give a crap and Jeff Loeb knows that he has to tie into the movies because it's what people want. Is this going to tie into S.H.I.E.L.D.? I did read when just doing some research on the Inhumans that they've shown up on the TV show. That's where things got really interesting for me is in 2014, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., every year it decides it wants to be something new. Its first year, it was going to be all about the agents. It was a spy show. And people watched, and honestly, that first season, up until this episode we're about to discuss, is the worst I've ever seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) Then the second season, they're like, oh, people want some superheroes, so we're going to introduce Inhumans. And this is where Kyle McLaughlin came in. He turned out to be the secret father of Chloe Bennett's character on there. And it turned out she was an inhuman who they're going to name Quake and have earthquake powers. And so they became a superhero show. It didn't become enough. So then they became a super team show. 
That didn't become enough, so season four became a Ghost Rider show and really was awesome. Oh, that's right. Ghost Rider wow. did appear on there. For half a season, then they couldn't afford the flame effects anymore, so then it became a really lame show. Is it still on? It is. I am shocked to shit about that. Mm. The ratings get lower year after year. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget, they did kill Agent Carter. That was their prestige show that they put on during the mid-season when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, in the old days, they'd be in reruns. They did eight-episode runs of Agent Carter. Yeah, and I actually saw a few of that and thought it was much better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was good, but it was a little too political, and its second season got dismal ratings, and it was canceled on a cliffhanger. And so here comes Inhumans, which, again, if they can't afford Ghost Rider, I don't know how they're going to afford Inhumans. Well, I now know how they afford Inhumans. I've seen this. <laughs> I was wondering how they were going to afford magic hair every episode. Mm -hmm. They <laughs> don't have to now. And... I think that there was probably some arm bending, you know, Ike going up to Bob and being like, Bob, we need to fight DC in television. We need to do better in network television. Because let's face it, I'm sorry, DC fanboys, but if you take away anything directed by Christopher Nolan, Marvel films have ruled over DC films in the 21st century. It's true. That doesn't mean every DC film sucks, but Marvel films rule this big screen. Yeah, but DC has dominated the small screen. I mean, you talk about the old stuff like Smallville. Now they got Flash. I guess Supergirl's doing real well. Arrow. Even Legends of the Superheroes, which, look, I watched that. That is Brown Arrow stuff, but it was entertaining. I think that's on a third season. Yeah, not everything's been a hit. I always call out Birds of Prey, but... <laughs> yeah, Constantine got canceled. It wasn't very good. Gotham's still going, though, I think. And people love that show. Yes, DC owns network television and so i think that what we're seeing here is ike he's like i was gonna put this on the big screen it's going on the big screen i don't know who paid off who at imax maybe the rental of those cameras was really expensive of course the director rule renee he's like yeah they gave me these imax cameras and they gave me a television schedule i had to film two episodes in 20 days i'd have to do that no matter what camera i used so they didn't allot extra money beyond, here's a camera. Yeah, it's only so that we can see in larger scope how paltry these ambitions are. <laughs> and Rule Renee, they certainly didn't bring in the best director, honestly, and this is a quote, and this sounds like a quote directly from Ike, we need someone who can make this fast and cheap. Yeah. And so they got the director of Scorpion King 3. <laughs> Ooh, wow. WWE movies is what I noticed. If you liked wrestlers on film... Did he do Leprechaun? No, he didn't do that one, but he made lots of sequels to, like, The Marine and 12 Rounds and The Condemned and Behind Enemy Lines. Suburban Commando, did he get his sequel to that? Uh, it, I think it's coming. <laughs> That's what you direct after you direct Inhumans. What he said in interviews, they didn't do a whole lot of press for this, as you can tell. I found a couple YouTube clips, but it's a TV episode, but... They, meaning the series creator and the writer of these episodes, Scott Buck, wanted the scope of a feature film. Well, then you have to have three acts. <laughs> There's your first problem. I realized like halfway through this movie as I'm taking my notes, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait. There's not going to be a resolution because most movies, especially the bad ones, I checked my watch because every 30 minutes in a film, something new should happen. And I'm like, usually I know the runtime of a film and the last half an hour is the most exciting because it's the climax. And I'm like, this is only 75 minutes. 
once we hit 45 minutes, I'm like, yes, it's time for the climax to start. And then I realized there wasn't going to be one. I thought they would at least bring this team together by the end. They don't even do that. Yeah, Arnie, do we call it a plot summary? Do we bother to put out a plot summary for this thing? Sure. All right. You thought the Inhumans were just on the planet Earth? Wrong. Wait, do you know what Inhumans are? I think I should start there. (laughs) Because this has been covered in three years of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it is really an offshoot. And they say if Inhumans continues past eight episodes, it won't, that there could be crossovers. (laughs) But according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series history, an alien race called the Kree came to Earth thousands of years ago looking for new soldiers to aid in their interstellar war against an unnamed species because they didn't have the rights to say scroll. <laughs> is that a Fantastic Four thing? It is, but strangely, they're going to be the villains in Captain Marvel, so somebody made a deal. I feel like Monty Hall is sitting there in the f- waiting to negotiate meetings between <laughs> Fox and Marvel. You've picked door two, but do you want to switch it to door three? <laughs> You've got the scrolls, but behind door three, you might get Wolverine. <laughs> so the Kree began to splice their own DNA into that of humans. Once that was done, they'd expose the humans to an element called Terrigen, which would activate their new abilities, and then they would be called Inhumans. Due to the lack of Terrigen on Earth, people with Inhuman DNA have lived among us breeding for centuries. But a small group of Inhumans lived in a commune where they would selectively expose people to Terrigen and activate their powers. There, I summarize Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for you. You don't have to watch it. <laughs> That's a pretty good summary of the actual comic book origin as well. It wasn't until 2015 when the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. failed to stop some Terrigen from falling in the ocean where it was eaten by fish that Terrigen spread widely on Earth and now it seems every day a new Inhuman is created. Or actually weekly for 22 weeks a year. But it turns out for a long time, Inhumans have also lived hidden on the dark side of Earth's moon in a city called Adelan. There, cloaked in a compound, Inhumans live in a caste society ruled by their king, Black Bolt, played by Anson Mount. Bolt is rendered mute as his voice creates destructive sonic waves, so he communicates through sign language to his wife, Queen Medusa, played by Sorinda Swan. Medusa has long hair that she can control with her mind. (laughs) Or as Jacob loves to point out, he was obsessed with that wig. That wig weighed four pounds. That wig is so (laughs) bad. They released a poster where these characters are just basically Photoshop. They even made the wig look bad on Photoshop. You were obsessed with the wig. It's so bad. How can you not? That thing is awful. That is embarrassing. That They think that's acceptable to put out. I don't know. Every time I saw it, I wanted a Frosty and a Baconator. (laughs) (laughs) There's some tie-ins they could work. I'm shocked because we see a flashback here. She was named Medusa at birth before they knew her hair power. They had no idea what her power would be. It really worked out. The queen and king are surrounded by their ruling council. Bolt's cousin Karnak, played by Ken Leung, an inhuman who finds the fault in all things. I thought that was my power. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see him watching this movie. Yeah, that power should have warned him from being in this. Then there's Bolt's other cousin, leader of the guard Gorgon, who has super powerful goat legs. Bull legs, they are not goat legs. He's not one of those satyrs or whatever they're called. Okay, I thought they were goat legs. No, they are bull legs. They're bad boots is what they are. You complained about the wig. I I have some complaints about these boobs. I cracked up when they just show him wearing regular boots. I did too. How do you wear regular boots with hooves? You don't have toes. They won't stay on. (laughs) 
but it's cheaper and actually looks better. Yep. Also hanging about is Medusa's sister Crystal, who I had to look it up. I didn't know Karnak's power. I didn't know Crystal's power. Karnak, I thought, could just do math really well. <laughs> Crystal, apparently she can control the elements. Yeah, they do not set her up. At one point, she's like freezing something, and then all of a sudden she has fire powers. Very confusing. And Bolt's brother Maximus, played by Yuan Rayan, who has no powers. He's just human. But he does have the power of star power. He's the biggest person in this cast because he comes from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Clearly, he lost that Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't recognize anyone in this. Oh, you didn't recognize Karnak? I mean, this dude's getting double platinum headphones. We've covered him on X-Men 3 where he was Kid Omega. He was in Red Dragon. He was an admiral in The Force Awakens. He was the Asian detective in Saw. All minor roles. No, didn't recognize him. <laughs> yeah, I knew once I saw a picture of him that he was the porcupine guy from Last Stand. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I watched Lost, okay? And he was big on Lost. I mean, how do you step down from Last Stand? Yeah. How do you shave your eyelashes? That was freaking me out. He must have gotten a lot of Hawaiian sand in those eyes. <laughs> But Maximus has a complex about having no powers, and he disagrees with how Bolt rules the kingdom, with commoners left digging mines. He also wants the Inhumans to go to Earth, where they can find new jobs and new real estate. <laughs> but Trump has closed down the border. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I'm like, they're like, let's go to Earth. I'm like, what part of Earth? India, they got a caste system. You don't want to go there if you're trying to get away from your caste system. Like, Do you want to go to America? That's like the one place that, that you'll be able to go. But they got a wall now. So, How about Canada? Yeah, Canada's nice. They're probably nice to inhumans. I would think any place would be better than the moon. <laughs> he also lusts after Medusa. He must have a hair thing. A bad wig thing. <laughs> a Dave Thomas thing. <laughs> and when she spurns his advances, he stages a coup planning to kill his brother and the ruling family. And he starts by shaving Medusa's head, robbing her of her hairy powers, and saving producers about a million an episode. But the Inhumans escape to Earth thanks to Lockjaw, a horse-sized bulldog with the power of teleportation. He gets Black Bolt, Medusa, Gorgon, and Karnak to Earth, all in Hawaii, but there's a lot of islands in Hawaii. <laughs> he got confused. Yeah, I'm just holding my tongue to already get into this because his teleportation is bad. Yes, he gets Black Bolt, Medusa, Gorgon, and Karnak to Earth all in different places in Hawaii. They're split up and need to find each other. And Lockjaw is then tased and knocked out so he can't save Crystal, who's kept in captivity on Adelan. And to kill the escaped Inhumans, Maximus sends new head of the Royal Guard, Aran. She tracks Medusa to her tour bus in Hawaii, but Medusa beats her in combat, stabbing her twice. Black Bolt doesn't understand human society, so he accidentally steals the suit, and that causes him to be arrested. Karnak falls off a cliff and splits his head open, and Gorgon hangs with some surfers on a beach waiting for Maximus <laughs> to come and attack. He's like us, we're waiting for something to happen, but absolutely nothing is resolved as credits roll. To an after credit scene showing Aaron survived the stabbing, healed her stab wounds with her inhuman power, and resumes the hunt. There's also another after credit scene where they just give you a preview of the season. Well, that's not a scene. That's a trailer trying to say, please come back. They've already said ABC expects Inhumans to be more successful at the box office than anything they've done <laughs> on September 1st weekends in the past. It's a notoriously dead weekend. But the success of Inhumans depends on its ratings on TV, not its IMAX performance, which is good because our theater was pretty dead empty. Yeah, 
there was about 11 people when the movie started. A few more walked in during it, but it was a small crowd. A couple people walked out of ours. Did you notice that, Stuart? A little girl and her mom were like, we're done. <laughs> Did yeah. Stuart try to follow him? <laughs> Imagine seeing this movie, sitting next to Stuart, and just hearing his like <laughs> sounds and guffaws. It's true. Normally, we I try not to watch things with Arnie because we don't want to have the show before the show. We don't want to reveal our hand. We don't want the other person to know what we're thinking until we're at the microphone. But I didn't want to be the only person in the theater, and when I bought my ticket, I was. <laughs> you were. So I was like, all right, it's the matinee was only a dollar cheaper. I'll go to the premiere on Thursday night with you. And yeah, there was 14 people at the start of this, and then I think there was 12 by the end of it. And that, my favorite part was when the lights came up, watching everyone realize that they had to leave because there was nothing else to show. There was someone that tried to clap at the end of this, and I turned around and just gave him like daggers from my eyes. I'm like, do not dare give this thing any credit. I don't care how big a fan you are of the Inhumans, of Marvel, you will not clap. Yeah, we start with a Marvel logo I haven't seen before. It has no... Because there's no characters, characters that I've ever heard of. <laughs> They're just scenery, I think. You've seen this logo before. This is their old Marvel logo that we saw in Phase 1, and it starts every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've seen this logo hundreds of times. Okay, it's, I always remember seeing like Hulk and Captain America, but... I think if you look really close in there, there's still those Marvel graphics, but... I thought these were like the wadded up pieces of sketch paper that they like pulled out to show the characters. <laughs> it didn't look like any official proudly displayed Marvel universe that I've seen before. It just does not use the Marvel cinematic logo that they just started with. And then we start with a whole bunch of symbols for characters that mean nothing to me. I mean, it's one thing when you tell me, oh, we're making Wonder Woman. Okay, I know to expect a tiara and an invisible jet. But these guys, it didn't mean anything, particularly when we, the stinger is a dog with a tattoo on its head. I'm like, this is the team? <laughs> it really looks TV to me, this opening. I mean, oof, it's just bad. And Lockshaw, he's supposed to have like a tuning fork on his head, not just a tattoo. It looked like something I'd see out of Jeff Loeb's Marvel Animation Division, like the start of an Inhumans cartoon would be this opening of a graphic and that cartoon dog. That wasn't the real dog effect. It was like half real, half fake, like an unfinished effect. When that dog shows up at the end, I'm like, oh boy, they're really trying here, aren't they? If you don't like superheroes, at least you've got a cute dog. That is the way to go with this. <laughs> it is. It is a cute dog, too. But... I think they do a really piss poor job. I felt bad for you too. Mm. They don't set up in humans at all. If you hadn't watched these Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes, how could you possibly care about what's going on and follow their jibber jabber about Terrigen mists and... I'm familiar with them from the comics, so that was making sense, but this seems very generic. You're telling me that they've had these black ops guys hunting down in humans and shield because to me you have tiger eye girl running away in the forest of hawaii and triton showing up saying oh i'm gonna save you and this feels very generic i actually thought that was the agents of shield it could be because that's the thing on agents of shield is Inhumans are hunted down. They're trying to be Star Trek and have this social commentary on Inhumans' rights versus 
race rights and gender rights. And- yes, because they don't have the rights to the <laughs> X-Men. They do that much better. Yeah, and they're so much better. I like this chick, Louise, who has, like, Trapper Keeper vision. Like, everything she sees <laughs> looks like those 80s folders. I thought that it was almost like a very cheap version of Predator Vision, but we're not going to find out much about her because she's going to be dead really fast. I was like, did they shoot a Trank? I don't think it was a Trank, and later we'll see a puddle of blood where her body was lying. I couldn't tell how aggressive to interpret this. I assumed, yeah, when we have this green guy in a rain slicker popping out of the rainforest saying, hey, baby, I can take you someplace safe. You're safe now. Uh, no, you're going to get shot. <laughs> I bet you say this to all the mutants. But yeah, she falls down. Don't say mutants. Fox owns you. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets winged. We do know he got hit. And he falls in the water that looks pretty red, but will not appear for the rest of the movie. I assume he's alive, though. Oh, come on. His name is Triton. He's a fish man. He fell into the ocean. He's not dead. He's going to show up in, I don't know, episode seven. Yeah. Big surprise. No, no, no. He's going to show up in episode four. They're not pulling a Twin Peaks. They're not going to save Triton for the last three episodes. (laughs) Like they did Agent Cooper. He's going to show up at that big fight with the surfers whenever these troops show up to fight Gorgon. But here is a real missed opportunity. I hate to say it, but... (laughs) This whole thing is a missed opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what is an opportunity that hit? (laughs) Louise would have been perfect because whether or not you'd watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you would have a human. If... Triton had rescued her and taken her to the moon, you'd have a point of view character to introduce you to this world and be like, you don't know about us, but we've been up here for a long time and a reason for the exposition and a natural way to be introduced to these characters. But no, you're going to kill your natural storytelling way of having a character and instead... We're just going to be jumped right into this thing. That is very true because there is one moment we're at a Terrigen ceremony and Karnak is just, he's going to go into exposition mode and I was cracking. I'm like, why do you need to explain all this to another Inhuman who has seen the ceremony a hundred times? All I know is no one needs to explain to me this next scene because I've had my Adam's Family slash fantasy totally fulfilled. (laughs) Cousin It and Lurch together at last. Woo boy, that was hot. You know, they actually do in the comics and some artists make Medusa sexy, covering her naughty bits with just little bits of hair and things. It works so much better as an art form, like where, where you're drawing it. No, there's some really good Medusa stuff out there, but... This is not... This, look, this is the best it's going to look. <laughs> we have just turned our listeners onto a new perversion. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, Arnie was hearing me by this point. I was uh, couldn't contain it. I was trying to, like, I don't want to show my hand, but my goddamn, yeah, da-da-da-da, with the hair strands are coming out. I'm like, this is something no one needed to see. She's, like, binding him and, like, holding him down with her hair. And, oh. I thought you were just laughing at the wig, and I just thought, well, this is... A little bit more risque than I'd expect ABC to go right off the bat. Let's introduce our characters screwing. I didn't know whether to believe them. They have their cell phones or their bracelets. And they're ringing and they're saying, life was so much easier when we were king or queen. They are actually royalty somehow, right? They sit on a throne. They make all the decisions. Yeah, Black Bolt killed his parents and became king. Okay, so is that why Maximus wants... 
to betray does he want to rule yeah these dynamics i don't need to know what an inhuman is i've seen plenty of x-men movies but i didn't understand (laughs) this power play that they very quickly shuttle us into a coup before i even understand who's in charge i wanted to understand yeah what is adelan all about because we're supposed to be super smart in humans, but we have a caste system with a monarchy. And if you don't have superpowers, you're sent to the mines. You know what? Maximus is right. This should be overthrown. They need a new form of government. Yeah. And I don't even understand what are they mining for? What's in the moon? I don't know. I think they're drilling down to live in the moon because they're out of space. That's the only thing I could get is like they're literally digging deeper to build apartments. Okay. I don't understand why Black Bolt can just go down there and go, hey, and like, boom, (laughs) it it, it makes a big hole for them to live in. Like, why do they have to? People have superpowers on the moon. Why do they have to get humans with their pickaxes? This is cruel. Go, Maximus, go. And like you said, everyone has the potential to be this inhuman, but they got to go through. You mentioned Monty Hall before, but yeah, this feels like a cheap game show trick of step into the glass chamber. We'll drop in some crystals. Crystal meth. Yeah. (laughs) See what pops out. (laughs) I think I'd have done a little better with this movie on crystal meth, but there's a continuity problem here because... When Inhumans get exposed to Terrigen, they are supposed to become these, like, statues for a while, and it hurts, and then they break out of the statue and they have a power. I guess they've refined this process on the moon, because these two step out, and one has really bad CGI wings. You can't look at the hooves, you can't look at the wig, and give these wings a pass. (laughs) Oh, man. She busts out those butterfly wings, and Crystal's like, I love flyers. Oh, geez. Turn it off. Just shut it down. And the other guy's totally Charlie Brown. He's like, I got a rock. <laughs> this is such BS. Maximus is going to go touch this guy, and this guy's going to like go into a seizure and be like, the snakes are going to get you. I'm like, okay, so obviously he could see the future. He has a, And they're all like, nope, he doesn't have a power. Get him in the mines. I'm like, no, did you guys not just see this? <laughs> I thought Maximus figured it out. But it's obviously total dead zone. He touches you and he sees your future, right? He's Johnny Smith. And so I'm like, at least Maximus knows. No, even Maximus doesn't get it until later on when he accidentally touches this guy. Again, if Maximus wasn't so handsy, this kid would still be thinking he's powerless. Well, you know, it's because he's not physically transformed. Come on, they got to have psychics on this planet with humans. That's got to be one of the powers. They're just bad. Yeah, but their forehead should grow six inches or something. You know, you got to be <laughs> ugly. Do you see? see this parade i mean they, it takes a long time for them to like walk to this and it's to show off this quote-unquote splendor of it all i mean the dress the cut of this dress the wig oh i got problems with this dress you don't put piping where the no! nipples are it just makes it look weird yeah it makes it look like things are going in different directions actually that's a fashion thing they do a lot now because i've seen a lot of outfits in movies and at award shows And I'm like, is she nipping? Is this the 90s again? Oh, wait, no. There's just this big nipple seam. Okay. Many bad choices. Not just the wig. All of it, really. It's not something you show off with IMAX camera. That city looks like a cutscene from a video game. And admittedly, video games look very good, but... To see this on IMAX cameras many, many times, I'm looking at this. Now, I was just listening to you guys review Total Recall, Paul Verhoeven's film, where you guys complained about how everything looked like a set. And I'm like, well, this definitely felt like a set on Adelan. But when they will get to Earth, I'm looking and I'm like, you're in Hawaii. Yeah. You have splendor around you. You have natural beauty. And I'm looking at this IMAX screen and I'm like, it's big, but it's not 
pretty. There's nobody there trying to shoot this in a way where they're using light to the best effect and really adding any kind of depth. And I'm not talking 3D. I'm just saying have a lot going on in the background. No, it's television and it's a lot of close-ups of people talking. Every once in a while, you'll get Medusa and Black Bolt descending a staircase. But most of the time, it's close-up of people talking. I'm just noticing everyone's pores. They all got to go to the dermatologist. <laughs> it does not feature what you have well. And I've seen this kind of stuff before. We all have. We've all seen these TV movie stuff. The 90s, Xena and Hercules and all of that. Not shot in HD, though. <laughs> that standard definition really helps. Yeah, the thing is, they never tried to go to the big screen with their small screen effects. And here, it's just the gall of that that makes me angry. I think... If I were just watching this on television, this would be more forgivable. You would expect a TV show on ABC to look this way. But in IMAX, it's unforgivable. I kid you not. The stuff they do for Netflix is so much more visually appealing than the stuff they put in the IMAX theater. Yes. No doubt. But it's not just that. I've lowered my expectations, which were already rock bottom, but I'm digging into the moon and going down lower and saying, okay, forget that I paid $15 (laughs) to experience this. And just imagine what it is to be a TV audience on Friday night with nothing else to do. And this is what they're presenting. Yeah, not just a TV audience, a network TV audience, because cable TV does so much better than this these days. Yeah, I can't afford cable. I cut the cord. And so, yeah, this is what I have to watch between four channels. I'll pick this. This is what I'm watching. And I still don't like any of these people. Karnak, first of all, isn't that a Johnny Carson bit? (laughs) When he puts on the turban, yeah. I was thinking of Karnak the Magnificent. I'm like, that's your character? The psychic is an old Johnny Carson joke? Who's going to tell serving girls that, oh, it would only last two and a half days and you'd end up hating me? Yeah, was that supposed to be cute? I'm like, all right, so you're repulsive and Black Bolt doesn't speak. You're not going to find out why. I don't know what Stuart was thinking. I know why he doesn't speak, but if you don't know who he is, you don't know why he's mute until about halfway through this TV show. I thought that was actually kind of cool when we reveal why it is. But what was amusing me was that people kept asking him questions and like calling him on the phone. I'm like, he's not going to answer. (laughs) Yeah, he puts it up to his chest and like Medusa (laughs) can hear his heartbeat at one point. I feel really bad for Anson Mount because he has taken this way too seriously. He developed his own sign language. He views it like the Klingon language where he didn't want it to be like real ASL. He didn't want to crib from that. And so he studied ASL in other languages, sign languages to create one that would look real. He has like a 50 page Bible of all the sign language. Yeah. That is so cute and undeserving of this experience. (laughs) Wow. Well, you can't fault the acting then. I guess I'm not. I'm making a clear distinction between the actors who are just doing whatever. They're trapped, frozen in these bad costumes going through this paltry story. And these characters that, again, are these superheroes? Am I rooting for them? Who do I want to succeed? What do I want them to do? Hold on. I got to back you up. You said you're not going to pick on the actors. Sorinda Swan's awful. Wig or no wig, there's <laughs> nothing you could put on her head to make her lines deliver better. She is terrible. And to see her IMAX was really, there's nothing there that she can deliver. I looked her up. We have seen her once before. She played a siren in Tron Legacy. Okay, so maybe she's attractive, but she is 
awful in acting. She is the worst in this cast. Yeah, she played Aphrodite in Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, which I watched because my daughter's totally into Greek mythology. No Aphrodite, sorry. That <laughs> That is not you. That's got a lot of bad acting in it. Though. And a guy with <laughs> goat legs, kind of like Gorgon. My point is that I feel like all of these people, uh, it was kind of like when we watched that Legends of the Superhero. You remember that DC? Yes. It's almost like a Oof. roast. I don't know, even know if it was a movie. <laughs> but yeah, where they got all of the DC characters together for a silly little adventure. That's kind of what I feel like here. It's like, these are people that were asked to cosplay. I don't know if they were asked to act. I've seen better wigs at Comic-Con. Oh, see, you're you're <laughs> bagging on the wig now. <gasps> anyway, uh, I don't like any of these characters. Crystal, I think, is their attempt at a millennial that she's wearing headphones and never where she's supposed to be is late and is more preoccupied with her dog than doing her job, which I can't figure out. They have some kind of backstory with her that her parents are either dead or don't speak to her anymore because they don't approve of her lifestyle. They didn't like Black Bolt, apparently. I think this will be fleshed out in future episodes. Yeah. Is there's this thing where Maximus is talking to Crystal. Think about your parents and what they would think of how they thought of the old king and queen and the ruling family. So Yeah, it's something there to develop. But on first, second, and third impression in these 77 minutes, there's nothing that she does that's appealing. I like her dog, but that's because I'm prone to like <laughs> bulldogs. I mean, you got Gorgon with his bull legs smashing drones on the moon, costing NASA and U.S. taxpayers billions of dollars. I'm guessing that's going to come back. They spent some time with NASA reviewing that footage. I'm guessing there's some scientist there that's going to discover the Inhumans. It has to come back because they make a point of saying it's not NASA. It's Callisto Aerospace Control Center. So that to me sounds like those are characters that we will get more involved. They're getting closer to the moon. But this is the pressure. They need to do something because humans are getting closer and closer to finding them. They have a cloaking device around their splendid city but the rovers are running into them and it won't be long before earthlings puncture their deception and then what so what if they get discovered and i would have preferred it if they did get discovered because i don't understand why this coup happens at this time no why does maximus choose this period of time to overthrow his brother we see one scene of Black Bolt walking down and he like motions to his brother and his brother like, what? You want to talk to me? Why would you want to talk to me? And then he comes and sits on the stairs just to argue with his brother. And that's all we get. And then out of nowhere, he's hitting on Medusa. Like, that's a great idea. I'm going to hit on my brother's wife. And I don't know why he's such a slime ball other than he played a phenomenal slime ball on Game of Thrones. There's a <laughs> moment where Game of Thrones, he's introduced and all of a sudden you're in Saw. I kid you not, he ties somebody up and starts mutilating their genitals and it becomes torture porn for a season of Game of Thrones. I'm like, this is really weird. Well, they don't need to do that on ABC TV. And I guess I was just looking for for nuance silly me this is not storytelling <laughs> with any sophistication but i want a villain that has understandable motives i get that he's the bad guy but tell me why he has this break obviously there's some resentment we'll find out eventually that their parents are dead because black bolt said why and it splattered them against the wall and now black bolt in guilt doesn't speak i thought that was kind of cool but that's not why maximus rebels at this point he has been the one that had the black ops team he was the one that sent the black ops team to kill trapper keeper vision girl so he was working this 
this long before the moon rover was even approaching their city. Yeah, forget about why. This feels like, hey, I kind of remember Hamlet or some Shakespeare story. Let's just do that with superheroes. Everything feels like it's on cruise control. When Maximus does take over and banishes the royal family, he tells everyone, justice will be served. I'm like, what justice is he talking about? Like, he didn't mention that the king did something wrong, just that they've disappeared for now. And I don't even understand, except you say that because, I don't know, a lazy television viewer will go, oh, okay, so he's trying to take the role as king or something. Yeah, I really thought I'd be coming in here and attempting to bring some Shakespearean allegory. I thought I'd be the one defending this, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of Macbeth a little. Yeah, Jeff Loeb kind of studies Shakespeare, kind of read one of his plays once. Well, here's the crux, and I like it. If you were a human amid all of these fantastical people, you would be the pariah. And it said the reason why he isn't down in the coal mines or whatever kind of mines they are, moon rock mines, is because he's related by blood to the king of the Inhumans. But otherwise, he is looked down upon. And I think he's short, too. So whatever, for lots (laughs) of reasons, he's not respected in this world. To which I say, if you want to go to Earth so badly... Why not go there? But the dilemma is, and I'm trying to figure this one out, is that he actually dislikes humans more. It's kind of an Uncle Tom syndrome, maybe, but he actually thinks that humans are the bloodthirsty ones that will wipe them out. He identifies as an inhuman, even though he is not, and is treated differently because he is not. It's an interesting notion to play with, but again, if I were in his shoes, I'd be more inclined to go to Hawaii, not banish all the inhumans to Hawaii. But he comes from a ruling family. I'm projecting a lot into this. I don't know. You see that soup they get to eat? It doesn't seem like that much of a benefit. And he does try to be a populist. And this was all written very quickly. I mean, this was a television schedule. I'm like, when they announced in May that they were going to have something in IMAX in August, I'm like, are they really going to be able to pull off that schedule? I forgot it was television. Mm -hmm. So are they attempting a clumsy political commentary here. Yeah, I guess Maximus is trying to create some kind of barrier to prevent all of these Terrigen-infected people from coming to the moon. Because what comes out is the whole reason why we had the opening that we did was that Fishman was there to bring back Louise and would presumably keep doing that as long as there were Earthlings that were turning into Inhumans. They would have a haven here on the moon even though they don't have enough room. So Maximus... Why not take all the humans and go to Earth? I guess would be the simple solution here. That's what I was wondering. No, my uncle who has uh, flying powers, I want to stay around next to him. Do they have some tie to stay on the moon? It would seem like if you're stuck in the mines in a caste system, you know what? Send me to Hawaii. I'll play the odds there. And why are they on the moon? How are they on the moon? When did they get to the moon? I mean, these are basic questions. I wonder if Lockjaw had to transport them one at a time. (laughs) You know, they could explain that or not. I feel like uh, knowing it's a TV miniseries, I could wait a couple episodes to find out why. I will just accept that they are a long lost road not taken in human evolution that wound up on another place. Yeah, in the comics, I mean, they were all over the place. The North Atlantic Ocean, and then the Andes, the Himalayas, they eventually end up on the moon. I think they're living in New York now, though. Well, they're living all over the place in 
the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show. They're multicultural. But the reason I ask that is, I guess, because I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would like a little bit of explanation as to how they got moon technology, how they got cloaking. But they need humans to mine for them. But yes, they have cloaking technology. Okay. Black Bolt, he's supposed to be our hero. We're supposed to root for this king. I don't see him being a very good ruler. I agree with Maximus when Maximus is like, your entire strategy is let's wait. Yeah, there's reasons to be unhappy with this setup here on the moon. That's what I like about Maximus, is that he, like me, sees a lot that's unappealing. And it's funny, <laughs> when the characters are going to Hawaii, they look at some news reports, and they're just like, oh, that looks like a terrible place. And I'm like, Country Mouse, City Mouse would say the same thing about your life. I mean, <laughs> I would not want to be where you're at. However splendid your palace looks to you, this place looks really unappealing to me. But you said there's missing footage that will be restored when it premieres on TV. I've got to believe it's whatever happens between the search party for finding Triton and Maximus deciding, hey, I'm going to have a coup. Because it's so abrupt, I feel like I went away on a commercial break and missed a whole segment. It feels like, you know, he goes after Medusa because Black Bolt goes into his, I guess, soundproof room. I thought they'd use that so he could actually talk, but no, he just sits in a soundproof room. <laughs> I call that the Cerebroke. <laughs> yes, I did think of that. But yeah, this is when Maximus hits on Medusa and like is really going for it and her hair is really coming alive and throwing him up against the wall. That's that vision <laughs> the one kid saw with the snakes. But the, it feels like that's what pushes Maximus to do this coup is like, nope, couldn't get in Medusa's pants. So let's exile everyone. Not only that, but I also have someone that's like me who looks like a human but can see the future and thus together, me and this kid, I think his name is Bernage, we can create our own future or something. But Maximus doesn't know about this kid's power. When he's going down there, he's already started the coup. That's, yeah, exactly. I, I feel like if they had just had another week to hammer out this story... All these fine details could be put in a way that's explainable and brings the audience into it more. But no, they want to get us into the action. God help us. Action? What action? <laughs> I mean, do you think if they had another week, they could have got the rights to a better cover of Paint It Black? <laughs> uh, and, you know, not to mention, we just heard it all throughout the Mummies advertisements all summer long. But yes, we have new metal versions of the Rolling Stones and the Doors. They have break on through to the other side. They do that back to back, too. I'm like, you're just... Are you trying to sell me a soundtrack? What are you doing? Yeah, they probably are. And, and I'll probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my problem is like, you've shown us Medusa. She's got the crazy moving hair, but somehow they're able to just hold her and shave it off. It doesn't fight back. Like, I don't even understand their powers. They're not even consistent in this two hour television episode. Well, she fights them off, but then they have somebody sneak up behind her, and apparently they have the power of electroshock therapy as they put a hand on either side of her head and a blue flash incapacitates her. Yeah, that makes her fall down, but she's like, maybe it paralyzed her. I don't know. In the comics, she has had her head shaved, and her hair could still move around. Like, it has a mind of its own. I think that would be actually fun to watch, is to see her, like, stubble, wave, you know, like, it gets mad. and. <laughs> but they did this. 
for budgetary reasons. The hair looked bad. You complained about they it. They did it because that wig looked so bad. I read ahead of time. I, I There was a spoiler in their last trailer showing her hair shaved. And I'm like, at least it'll shut Jacob up about the wig because I've heard so much about the wig. <laughs> Everyone's upset about this wig. It's a very upsetting wig. I did see that trailer and like the headline was, they fixed Medusa's wig. I'm like, oh, I got to see this shit. What they do, go re-CGI everything? No, they just shaved her head. That's a very economical solution to such an awful wig that should have never been there in the first place. <laughs> it is bad, but I don't know that I'm loving any of these other... Pa- Karnak, we've seen this kind of thing before. I, I feel like, what, Dr. Manhattan did this, and... This was the one moment I kind of like because I was confused at first. He gets shot as he's fighting the guards, and then you see him again. I'm like, oh, what did he do? Shapeshift? But no, he could go back in time, I guess, and redo it all. It's like that Nick Cage movie based on Philip K. Dick. Yeah, it is a lot like Next. He doesn't time travel so much as he saw one probable future that was bad, and he was able to then see another one that was better. And again, not consistent, though, because he's going to fall down a cliff and bang his head. He didn't see that coming. (laughs) I don't understand his powers at all. I mean, after he falls, and that, I think, is the end of episode one, is I believe it's ending on that cliffhanger. He falls. Is he dead? Of course not. He's too big a star. But when he wakes up, he's like, I need to find North. And he uses his power, and it, like, shows him a compass. I'm like... Yeah, all of a sudden, he has a compass. <laughs> that's a weird power. I, I'm i super navigate, man. I really thought his power was mathematical probabilities. And here's the thing. All right, so they live on the moon, but they get to Earth because of a dog? That's how they get there? Yeah, and Lockjaw just teleports them all. And what I love is Crystal's like, Lockjaw, take Black Bolt to the last place this person was, and take Medusa to the last place this person was. Lockjaw, your GPS is screwed up because you took everyone out all over the place. Yeah, this is no Lassie. Timmy would be lost in the well if, if this were the dog of Lassie fame. Because, yeah, they're spread throughout Hawaii. One's in the crater, one's in the rainforest, one's in downtown Honolulu. I don't know exactly why that that was the case it's poor writing that lockjaw is supposed to be so smart that he can understand these commands and teleport wherever that's the one cool effect i like lockjaw's teleportation the way he's like swept away in dust i'm gonna say that was a nice design i don't know if it's from the comics or not but the fact that they're separated feels like we have five hours of story that we need to fill eight episodes with so we're going to separate them just so that we can have them all come back together again at least it's eight episodes instead of, what, 18? Like with Twin Peaks, The Return, they're all separated in that, too. That's true. Yeah, there is some similarities. Only a few, but in the sense <laughs> that if I were going to design a show in which it would be introduce a whole cast of characters on the moon, splitting them all up doesn't seem like the most logical way of explaining their story. But what it is going to do is give everyone a chance to interact with humans and I think change people's minds because I don't think the Inhumans have a very favorable interpretation of humans. I didn't quite get the sense that they would go to war, but I don't get the sense that they want to come together. And I suspect... That will be the arc of this series. I thought they had a better idea of what human culture was like. I mean, they're going down to Earth to save people. They got, I don't know, TVs that they're watching about Earth. The fact that, like, Black Bolt is going to go. I thought he's like, oh, I'm just going to steal this suit because I don't have money. It's just weird that they don't understand how human culture works if they're so scared of it. And when he wears that suit, he looks like a mob enforcer. That shirt is way too tight. I mean, the guy's got a good physique, but man, that shirt is tight. I don't think this is cast very well. I had to look up these actors. Anson Mount, I've seen him in Urban Legends Final Cut and some episodes (laughs) of Smallville. Uh, To be fair, 
there. He was the star of an AMC Western show called Hell on Wheels for five years. Never heard of it. Here's the thing. I'm thinking, I don't even know if he's alive anymore, and he'd be too old for this, even if he was. But I'm thinking that you get someone like John Philip Law, you, you know, from Barbarella, that could just do the great eyebrow movement, someone that just has great face movements if you're not going to talk. I feel like this actor tries to do that, but never pulls it off. He is okay. He reminds me a lot of Jim Caviezel, and I don't like Jim Caviezel. <laughs> kind of physically looks like him, and he's got the sad eyes all the time like Jim Caviezel always has. They give him the comedy. I thought that was an interesting choice because I don't think the guy's funny. It's okay, I guess. My faintest of praise is that it's about as bad as Thor. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, we're going to get a whole lot of fish out of water here. The one that really kills me is Gorgon. You know, he's screaming that (laughs) why did they send the fish man down to get the girl in Hawaii? Has he never been in water? Does he not know how this works? (laughs) He just storms out there with his hooves into giant waves and then needs to be rescued by surfer dudes. That's my problem with whatever the Inhumans are doing to try to save other Inhumans. You don't send down the green fish guy. You don't send down the guy with bull legs. There are plenty of Inhumans that look pretty much human. Send them down so it's inconspicuous. But again, my real question, has he ever taken a bath? Does he know how water works? (laughs) There are no oceans on the moon, Stuart. Because he's just walking out there like he can go find this guy like at the bottom of the seafloor. But yeah, it's all just so that we can meet some nice human characters that they don't have to have the makeup people touch up with unconvincing prosthetics. I don't want to watch any other episodes, but I kind of do want to watch these surfers fight in humans <laughs> that come to fight Gorgon, like because that's what they're setting up here. Will they fight, though? Because they're sitting around the fire and like drinking beer. Oh, they're going to use those surfboards and like knock them over the head or something. <laughs> I don't know. They're drinking a lot of beer, but maybe they'll be sobered up by the time this fight comes to them. Yeah, and the surfer who's looking for a fight is an older surfer. He's like salt and pepper hair. I'd expect to see like point break anthony kiedis to be like uh, bring it on you know but this guy he's like when gorgon says you should leave they're coming uh, i'm hitting for a fight <laughs> it's more like we're just too stoned to get up <laughs> it's our beach yeah the worst storyline has got to be karnak who yeah falls down hits his head and just walks in circles the whole time that's the big reveal hey he was a star of lost he's <laughs> lost again they were both shot in hawaii I never watched Lost, and my wife's like, well, are they just redoing Lost here? Is there going to be a hatch somewhere that he's going to find? It definitely felt like they were using the same locations as Lost, and Hawaii's beautiful, so why not use that? But I think Arnie's right. I mean, it would have been more convincing to have this be the paradise of the moon hidden by the cloaking device, and then go somewhere to some set or something to show Earth as being less appealing. Here, it's a real off-balance by making Earth look so much more appealing than the moon. Why are they there if it's so hard there? I mean, Medusa's going to end up in a crater. She's just going to get on a tour bus. Don't you, like, there's not a whole lot of people on that tour bus. You think they recognize, especially someone with that outfit, with that shaved head, was just getting on board. Like, she's got to have a ticket or something, right? Maybe they think she's the lead singer of the Cranberries. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Or Sinead O'Connor, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and again, about what I was talking about with sophisticated storytelling. The start of the episode, she's getting on the bus, and she sees the guy paring the apple. Middle of the episode, she looks at and he's sitting next to her and his knife's in his pocket. What do we think's going to happen when, yeah, this whatever she is, the new head of security, the evil Maximus henchwoman, decides to use the 
mirror mirror from Snow White and come to Hawaii to fight her. And they never tell us why, because these are Gorgon's people. He's head of security. They never explain why they turn on the royal family so quickly and follow Maximus. It's just like, Maximus says he's in charge, so we gotta go after Black Bolt now. I'm hoping that's more of the cut footage, and I'm guessing the reason it wasn't included is maybe it wasn't filmed in IMAX. Maybe they filmed using standard definition digital that wouldn't even look good blown up. I mean, you could get away with blowing up film to IMAX or good digital cameras to IMAX, but if you're shooting in 1080p, that's going to look pretty bad in an IMAX screen where it's supposed to be one-eighth that size. Look, when I look this movie up, it's called The Inhumans, The IMAX Experience. You better give me that damn experience. <laughs> well, they did. They gave you 75 minutes of that experience, but you want a story too? Yes! Yes, I want a first act, a second act, and a third <laughs> act and a story. Yes, that's what I want. Listen, it's not uncommon for movies to be abridged. I remember seeing Attack of the Clones in IMAX where they had to cut 20 minutes out of it because the maximum runtime for IMAX was two hours. It was a much cleaner cut. The only time I expect an IMAX film to not have a story is when I go to like the Grand Canyon or some other nature site like that where they have these IMAX screens and you're just in a helicopter flying over something. Otherwise, you're going to make me pay money, like real money for a movie and I got to pay eight bucks for a soda and all that. I want a story. Yeah, no doubt this is going to hurt the Marvel brand a little to know that they charge people this price and pretended it was the same kind of experience. I wonder this, just throwing an idea out there. We're talking about abridged cuts. What if they had given us the entire eight hours of the miniseries in one two-hour movie, and that was why you went and paid to see it? You wouldn't have to sit through the whole thing. God knows this thing could be trimmed down. Yeah, but then you'd feel like you were missing out. Do, would you? I feel like I'd be getting the story. And then if I really wanted more, I could go watch it again in longer form on ABC in a couple weeks. I'm sure they got some formula where they got to figure out what would they lose in ad revenue versus ticket sales and all that. You think they actually did that much thought into it? Because I really don't. Oh, yeah. With network television, yes. I think they're that cutthroat when it comes to money. I mean, there's one point when Maximus is talking to this huge crowd of humans on the moon, and there's only one guy talking back <laughs> to him. That is a total television thing because you got to pay that guy like a thousand bucks versus a hundred bucks for all those extras. Like they are that cutthroat with television. Yeah, Maximus, now that he has the power, what's he going to do with it? Like, we see him go down the mines, he rescues the psychic kid that no one believed was really an inhuman. He sees the potential, and so there's a father-son kind of quality to this. But what is the future that they're going to build together? You guys mentioned Thor, and the only time I thought of Thor during this is that Maximus must have seen that movie and been like, you know how Loki tries to overthrow Odin and Thor? Let's do that. Let me send my brother to Earth, and then I'm going to go out and lie and say, oh, they've just left us. Why did they go? I don't know, but now I'm going to rule you. And I wouldn't presume this kid's psychic just because he predicts the genetic council wants to kill him for banishing the royal family. Duh, of course they're plotting to overthrow you. You just had a coup. But where that's going to go, I can't begin to care. We basically, in this movie, this IMAX experience with all the characters scattered, looking up at the moon, wondering how they're going to come together. Yeah, Black Bolt's in jail, he got arrested, which I find it funny, they're like, we found no ID on him, but they didn't find his Apple Watch that he had in his pocket, so he could talk to Medusa one last time. I did not know what to call those things, so in my notes a million times, I'm like, okay, she steps on her Apple Watch. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's yeah, what they are, basically. I, I did love that scene because, uh, yeah, she's talking to Crystal. She's like, remember what I taught you? Litter. <laughs> and I, I kept wondering, if they have these Apple Watches, can't Black Bolt just text? Why does he have to have the sign language? Yeah. Why can't he speak? Can yes. he just text what he wants? It's painful to watch someone that, yes, get a phone call and can't respond. I think the one thing that Medusa, this actress, does well, you know, she confronts that security guard that's come down for him from the Inhumans that's chasing him around. She took that knife. And man, when she stabs her, that looks like she's been to prison. She's done some <laughs> prison shiving. Like the way she guts her a couple times, but come on, she puts that body in the back of a truck and like kind of covers it up with the feet <laughs> hanging out. No one noticed that. No one noticed a bus driver with a broken neck like all day at a tourist site. Oh, but come on, Jacob, we all knew what was coming, right? I mean, the tease, the stinger. I'm like, I just, I mean, I think I audibly sighed. That was after sitting through the credits. What they were going to show us is that Oran is not dead. I liked Oran. She was such a better actress than. Medusa, that when Medusa won that fight, I'm like, no, the fight should have gone the other way. Kill Medusa and let Iran keep coming. I sat there and I'm like, if you're a casting agent, why wouldn't you give this actress playing Iran the Medusa role? She's so much better. But I think there's twofold. One, she's not white. And I think that they wanted to not bring that controversy of changing a race of a character. And two, Maybe she plays a badass really well, and she didn't work well as a queen. Maybe they saw a quality in her. Maybe she's allergic to the wig. <laughs> God knows Jacob is. <laughs> Everyone, I don't know why you're putting this on me. No one likes that wig. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like Terrigen. It's No it's, one likes we it. We all got to get away from it. Of the three of us, it just seemed like you were the hardest on the wig, where the wig, I wouldn't have paid a lot of attention to the wig if it wasn't for that. Oh, no, that wig is plenty hard on itself. I don't have to come up with a lot of material for that wig. I just, I wouldn't have paid much attention for the wig if you hadn't talked about it on like eight other podcasts. You wouldn't? Because it looks so bad. That blows my mind that that wig wouldn't bother you. It, it is distracting. It's the kind of thing that announces right away, okay, so this isn't going to be good. So, if that's the case, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Inhumans on IMAX, and will you watch the show? Jacob? I guess you're asking two questions here. Do we recommend this as an IMAX experience? No, there's nothing here to ex experience with IMAX. There's no grants. I mean, yeah, there's a few shots of Hawaii and scenery, but not enough for this film. And it, I'm sorry, I didn't, I called it a film. This television show, that's what's upsetting here is you're trying to sell this as a movie. Come see it in IMAX. Come see this story, episodes one and two. I thought bare minimum, I didn't think they are going to overthrow Maximus, but at least the team would be together and they'd be like, here's our mission. And maybe even Triton would be reunited with them. It doesn't happen. It's just everything here is bad. It's just, it's all network TV, which is why I cut the cord. That's why millions of people have cut the cord. There's just not the money there. And just the writing here is awful. Yeah, you could take Thor and Loki. You could take Shakespeare. Whoever wrote this, they kind of heard those stories before about brothers and royalty not getting along. And hey, let's just do that again. Uh, this is awful. It is insufferable. It is <laughs> inwatchable. It is unrecommendable. Not recommend. And no way am I going to go and watch eight episodes of this. Nope. We're not doing now inhumaning. Stuart. Yeah, no one here was even trying to make anything good. I'm convinced everyone was aiming squarely at the middle. Can we just get it delivered on time and have it be mediocre? Mediocrity rules this from soup to nuts. 
which is why it's so frustrating that it's on an IMAX screen for a $15 premium ticket price. This is a dumb TV show they've inflated. And for that, it's a horrible sin. You absolutely should not go see it in a movie theater. Should you watch it at all? Well, yeah, it's not very cinematic. I mean, I saw the pilot uh, FX Legion. I thought that was far more visually stimulating and compelling and weird with a lot of nuance. Here, they're going for a family audience. This does feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., only even lesser, I would say. And so... I guess your opinion about whether you want to watch it is whether you're a fan of that show or if you like syndicated superhero TV from the 80s. I was thinking of Superboy, you know, just junk. Lou Ferrigno, you know, we're back in that territory. I'd rank it right there with Trial of the Incredible Hulk, you know, where Daredevil was in a black body stocking and putting Bruce Banner on trial. It's caught in the middle, though. Unfortunately, it's so expensive that it will not be able to sustain itself for network TV but it's too cheap to favorably compare with anything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you really have something that doesn't even have the charm of a low-rent TV episode. It's too inflated, and yet it's definitely not a movie. I mean, it hurts the Marvel brand to go out as Marvels and humans. So my prediction would be that this would be canceled in five episodes. I didn't know until Arnie told me after the screening that they've made the eight. It's a mini-series, so they'll air that, but... That's it. This is done. This is a non-starter. They will cancel this, and they should. It's bad. There's no season two. I had a lot of problems trying to figure out a recommendation for this. You're trying to find a reason to recommend it? Is that what you're saying? I'm trying to find a way to categorize this, because as an IMAX experience, I want to shout as loud as Black Bolt, No! (laughs) Yeah, can we just spatter Ike against that 70-foot screen if we all yell hard enough? In a bloodless death, I couldn't believe you smushed two people and left dust on a wall. That's what you did. No, it is not IMAXable. And whoever agreed to this from the top on down, it wasn't a good idea when Lucas agreed to it with Warner Brothers for Clone Wars. It's not a good idea here. As a Fathom event, I might have gone and given it a pass and written a review on the Gazette and mentioned it a little bit in passing when we talk about Thor. But to... Create a two-week real cinematic thing? No, this is stupid, and it doesn't take advantage of the technology. So then I'm sitting there like, I'm in a theater, but when we ranked the Incredible Hulk TV movies and things, we gave them a pass for being television. So You did. No, even you said that you were scaling your reviews down to review them as television. But you didn't watch this on television. You paid 15 bucks to see it on an IMAX screen. Right. I was saying I had a conundrum of, do I review this as television? Because then it's like, do I even like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? (laughs) And then that led to another internal conundrum. Because it's like, I've gotten the autographs of most of the cast, and they're very nice people. But... Do I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. enough to, like, Green Arrow it if we were reviewing it? And I've decided I like the later seasons. The first season was really bad. So then where does Inhumans rank? Because when I walked out of Inhumans, I'm like, yeah, it's what I'd expect of an Inhumans episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But no, it's not. It has the effects of an Inhumans episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, the hair was far worse than the CGI Ghost Rider. But the writing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually tighter. There's more characterization and more depth. Here, I feel like this is really stock. It is worse than Agent Carter. It is worse than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is the first truly bad thing 
to come out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Any TV series of any movie, of any of the comic tie-ins I've watched, this one has the worst acting, the worst writing, and bad effects, too. I don't know of a saving grace. And will I watch it on ABC? Mm, that's a debate? I have not yet watched Iron Fist. I'm a season behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., just finishing up season four. I'm a season behind on Agent Carter, which is now several years old. I'm not going to make a point to watch Inhumans. There's something that I should add. I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on my phone. I rarely see an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode on even a television, let alone a big screen. I tried that for the pilot and walked out and said it doesn't deserve it. I may someday multitask and watch Inhumans on my iPhone if it comes to Hulu, but I have no desire to see it. It would be merely completionism and the idea to consume and wonder, does it end as badly as it began? It's a red arrow. Yeah, I'm glad we're all there. I didn't think it would be tough to cross that line. This is clearly, if you're calling this a Marvel movie, this is clearly the worst of them since before Iron Man. I mean, I'd have to go way, way back. If Generation X had this budget, would it be better? I mean, honestly, the only saving grace is it's got enough budget to make it not look as bad as the very worst <laughs> superhero it, stuff. What, it wasn't filmed in the 80s or 90s. What was that Justice League of America that was like Melrose Place? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the difference here, really, other than just a few million? This only benefits because we've had almost 10 years of Marvel movies and just the superhero genre in a whole has just evolved so much from when you don't have to make it Melrose Place with capes. You know what it really reminds me of is when your favorite artist decides they're going to do one for them and make that blues album of old songs from the 20s or something. Something you never want to hear and you just buy it out of loyalty and never plan to listen to it. It sounds like Marvel fans, you might want to watch this because it's called Marvel. I can't imagine that you'll want it indulged. And my idea of fandom, honestly, is to be discerning. Is to say that when they're giving me something I don't want, I tell them, don't give me any more. I say send the message you don't want it. It makes me wonder about the shows they didn't pick up. They were going to do a show called Damage Control that was going to be a sitcom about people cleaning up the messes Marvel made. That didn't get made. They were going to do a show about Mockingbird. One of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to get a spinoff. They didn't even a pilot for that one. ABC passed on that. What was that shit if they picked this up and said, yeah, we're going to let this run for eight episodes? But it's telling. I didn't think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was coming back for a fifth year. I thought for sure... The ratings are so dismal. Every week, I follow Osiello on Twitter, and every week on his TV site, he's like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s ratings, can they get lower? Wait, they got lower! <laughs> and I'm like, the only reason to keep it going one more season is 100 episodes is still a magic number for syndication, and five seasons is 100 episodes. But... They moved it to Friday nights. It had been on Tuesdays forever, and now they're doing Inhumans on Friday nights. They have low expectations and probably a lower budget. Yeah. Marvel fans deserve better. It is not too much to ask to get a better quality of show than what they've been giving. Either Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a few episodes that I've seen, or this. It's not just that it isn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's that it's really dull, dry television. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't even feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They had no tie-ins. How could you not get one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something? Here's the tiers. Tier 1, get someone from a movie to show up. You can't do that. Tier 2, get someone from Netflix to show up. Can't do that. Tier 3, 
get someone from Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. to give you a day on their calendar. They can't be signing at conventions seven days a week, and you don't even do that. Yeah, I don't know if Agent Coulson is still around, but yeah, he doesn't even show up here. Yeah. Well, Arnie, it really sounds like you need a break. It sounds like you deserve a present. <laughs> a birthday present. You're going to edit the show for my birthday? Uh, <laughs> hey, you made us see this, so we'll call it even. Yeah. I'm not giving you anything, but somebody, one of our <laughs> listeners. I, I give you nothing. I give you nothing for your birthday. It's our standard tradition. Anyway, a listener is decided that you and I, for our birthdays, they are split by two weeks, are going to get slasher movies. And so next week, on your birthday, released next Tuesday the 12th, we get. Happy birthday to me. I had never seen it when he picked it. I did watch it twice for the review, once while on a fishing trip over the summer with some friends of mine. I thought, what better for a fishing trip cabin in the woods than a slasher film? So we will be talking about that next week. But two weeks after that is your birthday. Mm. I will get you nothing as well. <laughs> I have been gifted enough. I have been gifted Bloody Birthday, one that I'd never even heard of. I had seen bits of Happy Birthday to me. But this thing I'm opening, no clue what it is. We'll be talking about two more slashers in September. And then in between, that's the kickoff to a long run series leading all the way up to November with the new Bruce Willis Death Wish, we got five Charles Bronson installments that'll be scattered throughout September and November, and we begin with the original Death Wish from 1974, in between Happy Birthday to Me and Bloody Birthday. And also, this Friday, maybe you feel like we didn't review a real movie today. I've heard a couple grumbles. I, again, talk to Ike. Well, you gotta watch a real movie to review one. But... This Friday, there is a real movie being reviewed, another one picked by a listener. Patrons picked The Legend of Hell House. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's definitely a classic horror novel, and uh, we'll see how they fared with the 1971 movie version. Kind of made in the aftermath of Hammer Horror Studios. That is for our patrons of $10 or more on our Podbean page. And if you want to hear us do more TV, this is it. If you've been waiting for the build-up to a climax, Twin Peaks finished up this past weekend. The last two episodes are going to be covered in a one-two punch. One tomorrow on Wednesday, and then the final one on Friday. So you can find details about the patron page at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. You can find details about the Twin Peaks reviews at nowpeakingpodcast.com. You can binge listen to our entire Twin Peaks series. It has gone on for over 50 episodes, counting book reviews, movie reviews, everything, all at nowpeakingpodcast.com. And our fall donation series starts soon. That's been announced as well. Again, all at nowplayingpodcast.com. And we will return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in November with the Thor movie, a real movie, Mm. as we get back to the The Avengers Avengers Assemble. Assemble! Do you ever think about how much better your life would be with me? Because I do. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Avengers Retrospective Series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. 
part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman, and Superman. Good luck keeping up. We also have non-comic-based movie reviews such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Would you like to hear what they're saying? I can hear what they're saying. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. It's strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Therefore, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is welcome back. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it too much for a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. And? Oh, it's very nice. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. All right, let's start over. You can edit it. Three, two, one. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2017. All rights reserved. Any last words? Hulk! Smash! We will not let anyone or anything stop us. We will create our destiny. Did Nick Cage do it? I know he's desperate. Uh, no, it was honestly the best depiction of Ghost Rider ever put on screen, though. I really like those episodes. Oh, man, I have names. I have it, if you want. Ewan Rian? Ewan Rian is how you pronounce it? I don't know. Well, you're right. I don't. Oh, I thought you didn't have the name. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I would assume that. See, I would, I'd go Iwin. It's not Iwin. Why don't you be Iwin? He said... My name is Ewan Rayon, and I play Randall. Ewan. Ewan Rayon? Um, play Randall. Oh, no, no, play Randall. My name is Ewan Rayon, and I...
Wow, he like says it in one name. Played by Yuan Rayon. They tried, you know, the week before this was National Dog Day, and they tried on social media. Post a picture of your San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Lockjaw plush. Yes, I have one. No, I didn't post a photo, but I'll post a photo of my VIP poster. Oh, wait. <laughs> Patrons picked The Legend of Hell House. Oh, okay, yeah. I... I definitely, well, I mean, I was on the show, so I knew we were doing it. <laughs> I didn't know we were releasing it this soon, but yeah, we've recorded that. A- <laughs>